Well, welcome to Keys of the Kingdom. I'm Brother Gregory, and we're talking again about the Kingdom of God. We just finished a half hour on Blog Talk, and my co-host, Paul, uh, said that I pack more things in a half an hour than anybody he knows. (laughs) We're going to try to get them again, and we're going to fill in some of the blanks because we were kind of hitting the ground running this morning to try to get a lot into the original warm-up of this show. And we'll talk a little bit slower, and we will take calls for those who have calls on the topic today, which is dominion and worship and what the two have in common. Because most people are completely unaware of what dominion and worship have in common. And we started out the show talking about Ethan Allen and the Green Mountain Boys. Ethan Allen was uh, born on this day in history, in 1738. Uh, He was captured by the British and put on a prison ship. Uh, But before that, he was running around uh, ushering people out of their homes and burning their homes down. And this is what made him famous from one end of the country to the other. And because of his nobility and character according to George Washington. So how did burning people's homes down make him a great man? The reality is New Yorkers, uh, wealthy men, were hiring people often from foreign countries, sometimes uh, what we call Germany today and uh, other countries, to come in in groups and prove up land and uh, build houses, build businesses, uh, cut down trees and make charcoal or produce goods and services and they would have this legal title to the land that they were on if they did that for the people sponsoring them. The problem is is that if you have a vast number of people that are settling for legal title you will have a vast subject class because they knew and early Americans knew it was common knowledge that you had to actually own the land to be a freeman still defined that way in the dictionary. The actual ownership of land meant it could not be taxed by even the king. The land itself could not be taxed by the king. Now, there might be other taxes because you have a certain amount of subjectness to the king. Most people don't realize it. When William the Conqueror took uh, Harold in a battle over a financial dispute Harold was not reimbursing uh, his cousin uh, William the Conqueror for work that William the Conqueror claims he did and so therefore they ended up with trial by combat and a number of Englishmen backed Harold and helped him when William the Conqueror came over the Normans had been over many times before and they could come and go as they wished. And uh, But now he was coming to defeat a man claiming to be the king of England, which was the name, his name was Harold. But there was actually another Harold that I personally think had a better claim to the <coughs> throne of England. And even though there was a throne, a crown of England, he did not have the power to rule over the people. He had a position of responsibility but not a position of power. The law was from the ground up in those days. The king was not yet the fountainhead of justice. And we go over this in the book Covenants of the Gods, that the king 
It wasn't until William the Conqueror that the king actually thought he was the fountainhead of justice, and he did all kinds of things besides defeating poor Harold. And it was one of those was setting up a system of king's courts, courts that were not from the ground up, from the people up. And when that was taking place, the government was no longer going to be a government of the people, for the people, and by the people exclusively. It was now going to be in the hands of the king. That's right, because before that, the king was not the government. The people were the government. The king was just the king. And we can show you examples in history long before this where the kings did something wrong, and young shepherd boys came in and told the kings you did things bad. And I'm not talking about just David in the Bible. I'm talking about uh, in Ireland and and in England uh, where the king could be called out. And I quoted William Pitt, who was a great sympathizer of American uh, citizenry. And actually, he, he's one who, when he became this young prime minister of England, at the age of 24, he was quite the genius. He said, if I were an American as I am an Englishman while a foreign troop was landed in my country, I never would lay down my arms. Never, never, never. And uh, he also understood that unlimited power corrupts the possessor. But power corrupts, and unlimited power corrupts absolutely. But uh, he said, the poorest man may in his cottage bid defiance to all the forces of the crown. It may be frail. Its roof may shake. The wind may blow through it. The storm may enter. The rain may enter. But the king of England cannot enter. All his forces dare not cross the threshold of that ruined tenement. Now, that was true for the poorest man who actually owned his land. But the men who did not own their land, his house was not his castle, but the extension of the castle of the king. And the king could enter there. Now, they tried to restrict him from time to time that he could only enter there if he had good cause, etc., etc. But the reality is, man's home, if he is a subject, is not his castle. It belongs to the Lord. And the Lord of his manor will rule over your castle to some degree or another. And that's exactly what's happened today, is that your home is not your castle. You can't even add a bedroom onto it without the permission of the government, because you don't own it. That's that's not government usurpation. That's just government doing the job that you have asked the government to do. You've asked the government to make your money. I heard a man speaking in Colorado the other day at an e pluribus unum. It actually was taped uh, uh, before that, where they talk about um, uh, government and its uh, authority and the limitations of its authority, and that somehow or other we created government, therefore we have the power to uncreate government. Well, that would be true, but we have asked the government to go into debt for us time and time and time again. Now, if you want to overthrow the government, you must take on the debt of that government. You you see, you've gone into the bondage of Egypt to such a great extent that you cannot just overthrow your government. So all those who are thinking of revolution should stop. The revolutionary act that you must do is repent. 
and turn around and stop looking to the government to take away from your neighbor so that you may have benefits. I heard somebody the other day, uh, a preacher, actually mention in church that we should stop taking government benefits. Later on, parishioners of that minister were discussing what he had said, and they said, does he mean Social Security? Because we depend on Social Security. And one of the other parishioners said, no, no, he doesn't mean Social Security. You paid into Social Security, so therefore you have a right to it. No, they don't understand how it works. And as we clearly stated in News of Views article that we is still up there on the net, we publish articles at News of Views on the not-so-secure socialism, uh, they don't have to give you benefits. The fact that you paid into it, would you paid in to Social Security, you were paying in for those people in need that day, that week, that month. That's what you're paying into. It's not a pension plan. It's not insurance. It was sold as if it's insurance. It, they, they make reference to it as if it's insurance. But if you read the agreement, you will know it's not insurance. Just like the United States Constitution did not create a republic. It created an indirect democracy. You can call it a republic. The, the fact is the United States federal government states clearly in its own creed, its own official creed, that it is a democracy within a republic. The republic existed before the Constitution. And they created an indirect democracy in uh, the republic. And the people weren't a party to it. That's what it says in the Supreme Court. The people weren't a party to it. So if they're not even a party to it, then they didn't give any power to the government. The the states gave powers to the government. But unfortunately, the people have now given power to the government, and they've given power to the government by a multitude of contracts and applications and licensing acts of the people uh, for their own selfish interests. Uh, gave, giving more and more power to the government. You know, when they gave power to Saul to rule in Judea, in Israel, that was called a rejection of God. Why do you think it's not a rejection of God when you ask the government to take away from your neighbor so that you can be benefited? Is that not coveting your neighbor's goods? Should you not become merchandise? Should you not become human resources? Peter says you should. Peter says through covetousness they will make merchandise of you. Paul says, what agreements do you have with unbelievers? Unbelievers in what? Believers in faith, hope, and charity. Why was the Corbin of the Pharisees making the word of God to none effect? What was the Corbin of the Pharisees? Did you know that Rome had a system of Corbin as well? Yes, they had a system of Corbin. Corbin simply means sacrifice. Do you sacrifice to your government? Absolutely, you sacrifice every year to your government. And you give to them, and when you pay your Social Security, that's your sacrifice to take care of the needy of your society. That is your religion. Pure religion is to take care of the needy of your society, unspotted by the world, the constitutional order or system or government that exercises authority, one over the other. You should not be using your government to take care of the needy of your society. You should be using your church. And you used to. 
100 years ago, that was the social welfare system of America. At the time of the American Revolution, that was the social welfare system of Americans, was the church. But it isn't anymore. They're more interested in their big screen TV than the fact that you went bankrupt and are losing your home. Your church should be making sure you don't lose your home. With discretion, strengthening the poor, not weakening them with social welfare schemes. That's so important that we understand this so that we don't become the ineptocracy that uh, we have become. What is an ineptocracy? I read that on Blog Talk, but I'll read it again because it's really a very important concept. It's a new word. It's a system of government where the least capable to lead are elected by the least capable of producing. And and where the membership of society least likely to sustain themselves or succeed are rewarded with the goods and services paid for by the confiscated wealth of a diminishing number of producers. Always, ineptocracy is where you go when you become a democracy. That is what the forefathers stated over and over again. They were not in favor of democracy. That's why they created an indirect democracy by the authority of the states acquiescing to the Constitution. They did not put the Constitution to a popular vote because the people were not a party to it. They never envisioned, most of them never envisioned, that the United States federal government would become the citizenship and ruler of all the people. That was not their intent. They were creating an external body outside the states, and you were the citizen of the state in which you lived. That's the way it was. Now, you can't roll back the clock and just simply go there. You need to change. Governments will not change till people change. You cannot vote away immorality. You cannot vote away a non-virtuous society. Those of you who are virtuous, who would take care of your neighbor in time of need, who would help one another, need to start to come together in examples of the first century church because Rome is declining and falling round about you. We have progressed beyond those days of Tiberius and Caligula and Claudius and we need to repent and return to the ways of Christ where you went to church and those who had shared with those who didn't have. That's what it says they did in their churches. That was called the Eucharist of Christ, thanksgiving, the opportunity to help one another, not to weaken them, but to strengthen them. So we had rules like those who do not work do not eat. Today in America, those who do not work eat very well. And they are fed by those who do work. So that the most inept, the most unwilling, the most unindustrious, are fed by those who are industrious. That is the sin of Sodom and Gomorrah. That in a time of affluence, you do not strengthen the poor. You weaken them, and you weaken yourselves. You weaken your society. Remember, that was what that definition of anaptocracy is, a society. 
Well, the church is defined as a society as well, but a society that lives in and promotes the doctrines of Jesus Christ, which were the commandments. He said you had to keep the commandments in order to obtain eternal life. Over and over again we hear Christ saying this. Moses said this. Abraham said this. Even though he didn't have the Ten Commandments, he had a similar law that we had to take care of one another through faith, hope, and charity, through the Corbin of Christ instead of the Corbin of the Pharisees. That was a compelled offering. Go to hisholychurch.org, read the article on Corbin. You can find it at hisholychurch.org slash outline, then push uh, CTRLF, and a box will open up on your browser and type in the word Corbin, C-O-R-B-A-N. And an article will pop up, and you can read that article. And that article will tell you what the Corbin of the Pharisees was and is today. And the reason why I'm saying this is because that Corbin is dependent upon an unrighteous mammon that is going to fail. And not only millions will lose their homes and their livelihood, as we have already seen and will see again this year, all over the world. I mean, bankruptcies are taking place every day in China. The European euro, uh, the U.S. dollar went down, according to the news just before the show. But the euro uh, is in dire straits. So that helps keep the U.S. dollar from absolute collapse. But we're going to head that way anyway. Um, I should probably give out the number again, I suppose. <laughs> Oops, I dismissed clicking on the telephone number to call is 414-395-2HHC or 2442 I'll give that one more time 414 395 2442 and uh, we'll give it again later on so you can call in that number if you have any questions but why am I talking about this and what does this have to do with dominion and worship we also have an article at org on worship, and you should look that up, because worship, actually, the in the Old Testament, comes from a word that has to do with bowing down and giving reverence. But it really means homage, paying homage, accepting someone as that authority, that power, that right to decide for you what you say, master, you know, like your dog. That's actually where it comes from, like lick the hand. And uh, so the dog, you know, you tell him, stop, lay down. He's supposed to do it because he's your dog and he obeys and he is subservient to you. But when men are subservient to men, the men who are in power are corrupted by this power. The only man I know of who received that kind of power and was not corrupted in any way by it was Christ. When he became king, he got down and washed the feet of his apostles, setting an example of the rulers of the kingdom. If your rulers are not willing to wash your feet, if your rulers have not come to actually serve your needs, then you have chosen the wrong rulers. If you have given your rulers the power to decide for you, you're no longer a government of the people, for the people, and by the people. You're the government by representation. And they're not representatives anymore in America and, or in Australia or in England or in Canada or in any country. The 
those representatives are rulers. They are lawmakers. They tell you how much you're going to give, how much you're going to keep, what you can do, what you can't do, if you can keep your house, if you have to get out of your house. They tell you everything. It is by it is ruled by their consent, not by your consent. And that's because you have not done what God said from the beginning. Dress it and keep it. To love one another. To be your brother's keeper. To take care of one another. To live by faith, open charity. Instead, you've decided to pray to men who call themselves benefactors. And what should have been for your welfare has become a snare. And you're back in the bondage of Egypt. So, that... That homage that you pay, that power that you've given them to decide for you, that obeisance that you must now give is worship. We talk about the golden calf, and that was a subject that came up on the network. Uh, I also recommend that everybody join the network at hisholychurch.org. Go to the little guy with the net. And we're looking for ministers. We had a number of them here uh, this last week. We've got somebody else showing up tomorrow. Uh, that our men are seeking to be this kind of minister that Christ was calling out that is actually interested in setting you up in a network of faith, hope, and charity uh, that was like the early church, where the leaders are titular and not rulers over you. And uh, we're... Uh, we're really looking for that kind of minister who understands the fullness of the gospel, who actually wants to strengthen society by bringing people together in that faith, open charity, so that they become less and less dependent upon the Corbin of the Pharisees, the social welfare systems of today, which will fail them anyway. They will fail. Now, in the meantime, you need to be friends with that unrighteous mammon. We're not telling you not to pay your taxes. We're not telling you to despise your government or hate your government or want to overthrow your government. We're actually telling you to take back the responsibilities of a society that operates according to virtuous uh, ways and means. And that is something this country used to do and what made this country great. But it's something we've lost sight of. But somehow or other we think that by electing this government ruler or that government ruler. I mean, we see the different candidates running around out there to be President of the United States, and it really doesn't matter. We're not speaking to people of the United States alone. We're speaking to people anywhere in the world. That those leaders that you're electing in almost every country are simply you're deciding which one is going to rule over you. It's the choice between the devil and the deep blue sea. What you need to be choosing to do is taking back your responsibilities as individuals and start helping one another. And that can be done on such small and minor levels. And many of you do that to some degree now. I know many of the people that listen to us, you are doing that now. You're helping out one another. But the, the amount is not going to be enough to sustain your society. We need to move more and more in that direction. That's why Christ began with seek ye first the kingdom of God and his righteousness. So that's what we're going to talk about when we return on Keys of the Kingdom. 
And so we'll give you that phone number when we come back again. And we'll see if we can understand dominion and worship. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you. Let our motto be, Don't Tread on Me. LibertyRadioLive.com The program you are listening to is 100% sponsored by you, the listener, on this First Amendment Rights Media channel. You will notice that there are few commercials on this radio network. There's a good reason for that. Corporate advertising dollars come with strings that limit program content. So without your help, these programs cannot continue on Internet or our several affiliates. If you benefit by the educational law programs, we ask you to give. If you are admonished or nurtured by the Bible and ministry programs, we ask you to give. If some voice a cause that you are passionate about, we ask you to give. If you believe in any of these, we ask you to support them as you would a missionary on a continual basis, as if giving a tithe for Missionary Radio. These programs are not commercially viable and must be supported by those faithful to the cause of truth. Look for the button to sponsor your favorite programs at our Listen and Schedule pages on the Internet. Then, when you subscribe, we will send you the last quarterly MP3 CD of that program immediately and continue to do so with each new quarter. We will also give you unlimited archive access to all of our programs. We're asking you to give much less than a tithe so that you may also send support directly to a particular program host cause and anywhere else the spirit may lead you do all to the glory of our god and creator for his holy nation the only kingdom that will last forever thank you for listening Government takeover of the church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD. Government takeover of the church. Who will tell them if not you? Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Now listen to me. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, I think we might have a caller. Is that true, Paul? That's true. Go ahead. Caller. Hello, Brother Gregory. 
Yes. Yeah, hi, it's Isabel in New York. How are you? Uh, I'm doing great. How are you doing? Okay. Uh, yeah, I have a question. I just wanted to know what your thoughts were on uh, people uh, starting a, a congregation of records who actually live very, very far away from each other and have never met in person. You know, that's that's okay to do that uh, sort of thing. It's not ideal, obviously, but people are so spread out. We have people all over the country, but uh, it's a big country, and so therefore people are a long ways about. But basically what that congregation of record is doing is it's, it's some people getting together, trying to find all those people that are in between them. <laughs> you have to start somewhere, and, you know, if you're... Uh, uh, you know, we have that power to start gathering together by telephone, by email, by, uh, you know, occasionally driving to see each other. <laughs> Obviously, uh, the reason we started the network in the way we did is so that, you know, everybody up in the New York area, all the way up to Maine, can be in a congregation of record uh, and can start forming that. You know, basically, that's why we have what we call that personal contact minister. Is you pick somebody in that general region <clears throat> to connect you with all the other people in the other regions. And so, a congregation of record, it would make sense that, okay, you're in New York and somebody else is in, uh, uh, you know, across the border in Connecticut or someplace. Uh, I can't even think of how where everybody would be, but you can be in New York. City there, and actually very close to several other states. Um, I have people that are a part of what we're doing here that are a hundred miles away, but that's close for us. <laughs> right. right. I'm talking about very, very far away. <laughs> yeah. Well, like, uh, we actually have one congregation of record down in California, and uh, some of the members are actually in Romania right now. They were there in California. They still have relatives there. Um, but uh, I believe it's Romania. It might be Bulgaria. I can't keep track of all this. But, you know, they hope to maybe come back uh, sometime. Mm -hmm. The idea is you want to start gathering with people closer and closer together, and that's one of the things about the Internet and things like Facebook is they can they can connect you and give you the artificial feeling of forming a, you know, a, a congregation of records or a... Uh, you know, some kind of community, mm -hmm. and you're still really just have a virtual community because you're not really there and you can't really help each other. But you can help each other find other people. So if that's the closest relationship you can get, you can start that way. But you want to be making your priority to find people closer and closer together. And then as you form, you know, congregations form near you, uh, then you would become a part of that congregation, and you know it's a it's an organism. You know it's you get you get life where you can get it. You make those connections where you can get them. We have a fellow who actually lives in Carolina, but he is a part of the Colorado group because part of the year he spends up in Colorado, and uh, he actually can be an asset to both. He really would only be a part. That's one of the things <clears throat> that a lot of people don't understand. A congregation of record, those people who form that congregation of record, a congregation 
<clears throat> excuse me, a congregation is not a corporate body. It's a, uh, it's not even an association. It's a, uh, when we say congregation, they are simply congregates. They are peaceably assembling. Well, you can peaceably assemble on the phone today because we have that technology. You want to constantly be bringing that congregation closer and closer together. And people that might be in your congregation, you know, one day, uh, you know, six months from now, they might be in another congregation because it formed near them. And mm-hmm. it, it forms these cell groups nearer them. And practically speaking, that's what we're moving towards. But in the early stages, any kind of connection you make uh, would be a good thing. Uh, you know, I'm a long ways from New York, but somehow or other, I'm a part of a lot of people's congregation back <laughs> there because I'm a part of their lives. Right. Uh, I can't be there for them when there's no food on the grocery store shelves. Uh, so we have to do what we can with what we got. So, yeah, we don't have a problem with that because basically all the congregation of record is that these people are recognizing each other and forming that buddy system. And because of modern technology, you can actually check on one another by phone without actually running over to their house. But eventually, you know, the way society is going, you may not be able to call them by phone. <laughs> you you may not be able to get a hold of them unless you can run over to their house. Well, we're not there yet. We don't have, we found a few people nearby in some places, but a lot of the people are very spread out. So that's where we're starting. But we're in the process of seeking that kingdom where we will be connected all across the country and in many other countries. So, yeah, it's it's okay as long as our intent is to form that nearby uh, okay. congregation. And then those congregations will constantly be splitting up. Once you get 10 families in a congregation, when you start adding more, you get up to 20, you should be two different congregations. Still connected through the network of ministers who are congregating together. And that's ultimately our goal uh, because that's the kingdom. Oh, thank you. Thank you, Brother Gregory. Thanks thanks for your call. Okay. Bye. God bless. Uh the uh this idea of dominion, this is what God gave us. This is what he entrusted us with. And that's what a lot of people don't realize. When God said dress it and keep it, when he placed us in this on this planet, in this world, and gave us dominion, that that was given to us in trust. He had dominion. He gave us dominion. Just like Jesus said, I appoint unto you a kingdom as my Father has appointed unto me. He was giving that kingdom of God to us in trust, and he was giving it specifically to his little flock, the church ministers. And they were to be the ministers of a government that was a true government of the people for the people and by the people because they could not exercise authority one over the other. They operated by the perfect law of liberty. But they provided all the welfare for the people of Christianity who followed Christ, who set up a Corbin of Christ as opposed to the Corbin of the Pharisees. And the Corbin of Christ was to take care of one another through faith, hope, and charity. Again, back to that perfect law of liberty. And dominion, though, is like energy. It's like your rights. 
it's it's liberty is the right to choose and so dominion there's only so much dominion because there's only so much stuff and there's only so much energy and so if god takes some of that dominion and gives it to you he has not increased dominion he has not decreased dominion he is simply giving you the right to choose in trust if you give that right to choose to someone else, you take God's gift and cast it away. Why are you doing that? Is it for a pot of porridge, a bowl of benefits? That you cast away your right to choose who to take care of and who not to take care of? Because by giving that right to choose to a bureaucrat in an inadocracy. Hello? Do we have another call? Yes. Yes. This is Scott Reed. This is Scott Reed. Can you turn down your radio, Scott? Yeah, I'm I'm turning it down right now. Well, my kids can hear this while I'm gonna get out of the <laughs> okay. get out of the room. So, what's your question? Well, I um I'm new to this, and um, I'm I hear what Brother Gregory's. Am I speaking with Brother Brother Gregory? Yes, you are. This is Brother Gregory speaking. Oh, okay. I called you about a month and a half ago, um, one Sunday, just out of the blue, and uh, was telling you that I've kind of come across your teachings and and that they actually ring true to me. Um, what I'm trying to do right now is get connected with some of the people in the ministry uh, around our area. Uh, there's a fellow by the name, I think, of David Garden, who's going to be yes. coming to see me next week, in fact. Okay, uh, I know David. I've met David. Okay. Well, a uh, friend of mine and uh, my family, we basically are reading your book right now, Thy Kingdom Comes. Uh-huh. And we're, we're very overwhelmed with all the new information. <laughs> so I guess... Well, you know, that, that initiates you into the club. <laughs> yes. <laughs> and yes. so, you know, my, my question, or something that would be very helpful to me, is I'm trying to raise my children up, and they're still young. They're 12 and under, and they are, they are embracing this kind of stuff as well. We found so many things that have been biasly translated to mean something other than what they actually really mean in the scriptures and our eyes are just being opened but um, where would you perhaps say you know a, a good place a, to start and when you're when you're new to this you know I, I'm completely have been completely emerged in this pagan society that I thought was Christian but you know I've got my wife and I've got my three kids and I'm you know, I'm a financial advisor, so you know I'm caught up in all the regulatory. I've made all kinds of agreements, you know. Oh, absolutely. I don't have any credit card debt. The only debt I have is, is my mortgage in a, about a year left on some car payments, and then I don't have any debt whatsoever other than I'm using the debt-based paper that we have. <laughs> right. But, uh, you know, I guess that means I'm immersed in debt. 
But um, well, anybody who's a citizen of the United States, they they publish the fact that uh, this is the amount of money that is owed by every man, woman, and child, and you know I don't know what the figure is up to now, but it's tens of thousands of dollars, and you can't pay that off with more paper notes. You have to pay that off with real money, and I don't think we got it. So the reality, I know where you're coming from. You know, where do we start? Where do we begin? And and it is, like you say, overwhelming to see how far away from the simplicity of the gospel that we have gotten. But, you know, you're meeting with David Garden. He's a, he's a gentle fellow. Uh, uh, he's, uh, you know, I met with him on the tour, and uh, and he knows a few other people I know in your area. You're back in the, at least he's in the Tennessee area. Are you in Tennessee, or? I am. I'm in Memphis, Tennessee. Okay, you're in Memphis. And and that's we haven't got this message out to lots and lots of people. It's, uh, you know, I, I really appreciate this radio station for letting us come on uh, for free. Uh, but the reality is, is that this radio station doesn't get out to very many people. Most of the people in Tennessee haven't heard this gospel, <laughs> and they haven't right. heard the gospel. They've heard a watered down gospel and gotten a watered down baptism. And they really aren't, you know, they're under this strong delusion. So what we need to do is we're looking for those fishermen of men. And for some reason, there's some people come across us, and they don't think of themselves as ministers because of what they think a minister is. But they see the simplicity of this, the clarity of this gospel. And the reality that there is no financial security unless we are immersed in this gospel. Uh, and so, therefore, those people who are beginning to wake up first and see first, you know, it's it's like we're on this uh, spaceship uh, traveling through space, and everybody's in this... Uh, uh, what do they call it? A coma? The sleep? They put them all to sleep while they're traveling, right? In space, and you guys are the first ones to wake up. And your first job is going to be to prepare to start waking up everybody else. And of course, we don't wake anybody up. It's Christ who wakes them up. And when our voice gets out, and I'm sure there are others with this same voice gets out, we need to be prepared and studying. You know where we've been deceived, and understanding it, understanding it without resentment, without anger, uh, with love and patience, and willing to meet and embrace others who are understanding, and create those bonds. It always seems that everybody who wakes up, they never live next door to each other. <laughs> That's the call that right. we just got from Isabel. They don't. They they don't. They are spread out everywhere. But that's a good thing because that's what you do when you go fishing with a net is that you have to have everybody spread out and hold up their end of the net. And so we have this network on the Internet uh, that is a virtual network where people pick PCMs and they get to know those PCMs, and those PCMs are uh, uh, helping them bring other people in contact. I, I know Garten has volunteered to be a PCM. I don't think he's gotten two votes yet to be a PCM. Uh but he should be, because then we would put him in contact with all the other PCMs, and then that starts. Everybody's got to hold up their end of the network, otherwise, you know that we spill all the fish out back into the sea. 
And, uh, of course, I don't want people to take that analogy too far uh, because we're not imprisoning anybody. But those who, you know, when Christ told them to put their net down on the other side of the boat, the fish swam into it. <laughs> they, they intentionally came into it because there's security in that net uh, that we're creating. And there is no security in the net that everybody is trapped in out there in the world. Uh, then, you know, that's part of our, you know, explanation, you know, in Proverbs. is not the net spread before the bird, but they're still caught in it. People don't realize that they've been caught into this bondage. So where you start is just taking the time to, to learn, taking the time to... Uh, elect those who are volunteering to be contact ministers uh, become one yourself uh, it's a learn as you go thing it's a process it's this seeking that kingdom and then in all the dealings that you have during the day uh, try to be as righteous as possible we can't we don't want people crippling themselves by trying to come out of the system or I'm not going to use federal reserve notes anymore we can't we can't function that way, but we have our eye on the the goal, which is the kingdom of God, a place where people do live by faith, hope, and charity. And every day we do what we can to move in that direction, help wake up other people who wake up in a daze and are kind of bouncing around and getting into trouble, trying to keep them from walking off of cliffs and walking out into traffic. <laughs> and... Uh, start finding their way and start and in that process we will create the bonds necessary to become those true fishers of men that the early apostles were but we're just a long ways away from where we should be and so we have to take it with every step that god gives us before us uh your kids now we have a forum for kids uh uh and or at least we try to create that so that they can start getting into contact with other kids their age and share their experience and that's um but it takes everybody working at it 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 can't be done by me and paul <laughs> right <laughs> uh we have a group of ministers who just left here and they're going to be meeting with people down in southern california and that's one of the things that we discussed this last week is that we want to start putting together these people like you and uh, uh, Garten, who's beginning to see this. Uh, you're both in Tennessee. I know there's uh, another person there, uh, a lady who's actually a couple ladies in the Tennessee area that I think have a very good perspective on what we're talking about. Though you people who do can get together uh, and start shortening that distance between us, and start taking little once you get ready to do it you feel led to do it take little journeys out and spread this information to other people and make those human social contacts as you you get to the book it won't be so overwhelming for you and you can help other people who are kind of overwhelmed <laughs> by this information but it's a process so anyway i don't know if that helps you oh yeah yeah that does i mean it's uh it's what I thought you would say, which is it is a process. <laughs> you know, there is no magic pill for bullet, and I think we're so used to looking for those. Yeah, but it, uh, it works real great in the movies, you know, when he just takes the little pill and then suddenly he's, uh, <laughs> you know, at twenty minutes or five minutes later he's, you know, out of the matrix. Uh, it's not, it's not going to work that quick. Fortunately, 
uh, for us because uh, but it is it is a spiritual awakening and there's an actual spiritual change that we don't conjure up that we don't make happen but the mere fact that you read this and you're seeing something that so many other people can't see uh, I'm just what I write is not awakening you what I write is just helping you with your unbelief I'm just a second witness and and when Garden gets there hopefully he'll be another witness and and you right. may see things he does not see and you can help him and you know that effort to help one another is the beginning of love and that changes the flow in you from the love that comes from outside in you from to the love of Christ which comes from inside out to others and when we start doing that, we can change the world because we are plugged in to an inexhaustible source of power and energy. But right now, now God is looking for those who believe by no signs and wonders. They just see yes. it. You know, it's the truth, and that's good enough. Right. And, you know, the, again, uh, what people don't realize is, you know, I, I get this all the time. People say, well, I'm not a minister. Well, you're not one of those ministers that have led everybody into bondage. But you may be one of Christ's ministers. Why did Christ pick? You didn't see him going to the uh, the seminaries and, <laughs> and, the, uh, and uh, the churches of that day and picking his ministers. <laughs> he went out to where guys were fishing and... Uh, and working out there where the rubber meets the road, and that's who he picked as his ministers. Should it be any different today? No, it isn't. Uh, unfortunately, most of the seminarians and the theologians, they're not going to join with us. They probably actually war against us. But there will be some. There will be some. Incredible. Yeah. Well, we'll so, we will take it day by day. Okay. Yeah. And, uh, yeah, I, I can remember your call now. Uh when we talked uh, at first I didn't recognize your voice there's just so many I talked to I can't keep track of them all but uh, sure. yeah, I hope that's helped you and we'll go on with the rest of the show that's right thank you so much thanks You're for welcome. calling Scott bye yeah I, I'm terrible at names and I've I actually got another Scott calling me after the show <laughs> so, I, and but he doesn't have the that uh southern accent he, he's more of a new yorker but uh anyway i was talking about dominion it, like light like energy like your rights there's only so much god created so much of that dominion and when he gives you a share of it he's giving you what he had and if you give it to somebody else now they have that dominion and you don't have it and when you centralize that dominion that power of right of choice that power to decide you corrupt men because they weren't meant to have that much power each of us was meant to own a piece of the rack a piece of that power that's a government of the people for the people and by the people I was on a show that uh, comes out of Canada and Texas I guess it's heard on the east coast uh, this last week last Sunday I guess it was and um uh, the fellow kept bringing up this is a government of the people for the people and by the people you know that that's really great it rolls off the tongue uh, Abraham Lincoln said it way back when 
before that, Wycliffe put it in the introduction to the Bible. The, the book was the book for the government of the people, for the people, and by the people. But the fact is the United States federal government, the Canadian government, the Australian government, those aren't governments of the people, for the people, and by the people. That's the governments by the people that are elected. They make laws for you. When you were the fountainhead of justice, when your courts decided fact and law, and they were common law courts, not king's courts, you were the fountainhead of justice. And you were a government of the people, for the people, and by the people. But when you elect kings and give them the power to make law and to force your neighbor to contribute to your welfare, you're no longer the government of the people. That's That over there is the government of the people created by the people to rule over each other and to rule over themselves. We'll tell you more about the keys of the kingdom when we come back after these words from your station. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www.hisholychurch.net. If you'd like to get a copy of this program, you may subscribe at libertyradiolive.com for only $45 a month and you'll receive an MP3 CD weekly of all the First Amendment Rights Media Group programs. As a bonus, we'll send you a password for our audio archives online. That's a $15 value. Or you can request any month of any program on one MP3 CD for a minimum donation of only $20. For any single program on tape, MP3 CD or CD for only $15. You can do all this online at LibertyRadioLive.com. Just follow the instructions to make a donation or subscribe. Don't do Internet? Then call 559-781-3773, 559-781-3773, and we'll be honored to help you. Thank you from all of us here at the First Amendment Rights Media Group. I pledge allegiance to the King of Kings and to His kingdom come on earth as it is in heaven. One holy nation and a heavenly Father, great mercy, justice for all. Welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, we're talking about dominion and worship. Worship means bow down, look to. When they were talking in Daniel about bowing down to this golden idol, that could take on an entirely new meaning once you understood what the golden calf was. And most people do not understand what that was. 
and someone referred to the fact that I talk about a theory that the Golden Calf was actually a central bank. That's not really a theory. That is a fact. Uh, the golden statues you see in the city-states, and historians who are really thorough historians and not simply high school historians, uh, who go and read other people's opinion, but actually go back and reading the writings of the time, will realize that these golden statues were actually reserve banks, that they were a part of the temple showing the wealth and, and, uh, uh, the reserve wealth of the people and how did that gold get there the people put their gold into these statues uh, gold as money in the hands of the people has been considered the enemy of the state by numerous dictatorial powers in our last century alone in the, Hitler said gold in the hands of the people is the enemy of the state uh, of course, FDR confiscated the gold of U.S. citizens. Uh, they can now have gold, but they cannot use it as money, uh, according to Public Law 95-147, I believe it is, um, which repealed H.J.R. 192, uh, which all of you know because your ministers in your churches have explained to you how your wealth is being robbed from you daily. Uh, if they haven't explained that to you, you should get different ministers <laughs> because they are delivering you into bondage. They are delivering you into a strong delusion. They are telling you that you're worshiping God because you're singing and waving your hands over your head. God is not so insecure that he needs your adoration. Worshiping God means to serve him, to do his will. This is what Christ demanded. Christ said, not those who say, Lord, Lord, not those who wave their hands over their heads, not those who sing songs, but those who do with the will of the Father. Doesn't Christ know we're saved by faith alone? Yes, he knows that. But faith without works is dead. And what are the works that we should be doing as Christians? We should be doing the work of pure religion. We should be caring for one another, unspotted by the social welfare systems of men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority one over another. That parishioner who said, no, he's not talking about Social Security because you paid into that. That Social Security you paid into took care of the needy of your society when you paid into it. What you are going to receive or are receiving now is extracted from your neighbor by force, legally by force, lawfully by force, because they signed up too. But it's extracted. It is not a daily choice to give. Now, some people give, and they are willing to give, and that's fine. But those who are not willing to give should not be forced to give. But they should not also be able to force you to have to give for them. That is not liberty. That is centralization of power, and that will corrupt. If you go and read in Mark 7, uh, let's see, where should we begin? Uh, 7.18, And he said unto them, Are ye so without understanding also? Do ye not perceive that whosoever, okay, whosoever, he says, do you not perceive that who, whatsoever thing from without entereth into a man, it cannot defile him, because it entereth not into his heart, 
but into his belly and goeth out into the drought purging all meats. And he said, That which cometh out of the man that defileth the man, for from within out of the heart of men proceedeth evil thoughts. Now what are those evil thoughts? Adulteries, fornication, murders. Now, adulteries, you know, everybody thinks about adulteries as sexual adultery, and the reality is adulterating your physical body is an adultery. Uh, adulter, you know, today, if you commit adultery, you actually adulterate your family, which is one flesh, because you endanger them with disease. Well, you can endanger yourself with disease by what you eat as well. So in that sense, you can actually commit adultery by eating. But let's go on to some of these other things that defile us, preceded evil thoughts, adulteries, fornication, murders, theft. Well, a theft is obviously a violation of the Ten Commandments. But the next thing he lists off is covetousness. That's a desire to take from others. Now, that's the, what socialism is based on, is the desire to take from others to provide you with your benefit. In order to do that, you must make agreements with people who do not believe in the perfect law of liberty, but believe in establishing a government of the world by force, forcing people to contribute. Until John the Baptist, that's the way people tried to do it in the days of Herod. They tried to get you to sign up for a Corbin system of social welfare where you had to pay in according to statutory limitations and requirements set forth by the Sanhedrin. Same thing was going on in Rome with their system of Corbin that was managed through their temples. You know, Herod built several temples, not just the temple in Jerusalem, but also a temple to Roma, a Roman god. What did they do? That's where they went for their social welfare and benefits. And there was money there to take care of the needy, of the blind, of the lame, of the indigent. And it was there because they got it from the people. But it wasn't free will offerings. You go into the Old Testament, everywhere it was free will offerings. You go into the first century church, they, their social welfare system was dependent upon the perfect law of liberty, free will offerings. Where do you go for your benefits? Do you go to ministers who depend on free will offerings, or do you go to men who exercise authority one over the other in an inaptocracy? Through covetousness, you are taken care of. You desire that your neighbor build your health clinic, and you want your health clinic on the tax rolls. You desire that your free education is provided by your neighbor, so you put your school on the tax rolls. And you ask those benefactors who exercise authority to make sure you got enough money for your school, for your health care, for your health clinic. Covetousness. You know, that same word, covetousness, is also translated greediness. And, and it's over and over again, we are not to covet our neighbor's goods. But you say it's okay as long as you do it through Social Security. It's not okay. Now, I'm not saying get off of Social Security. I'm saying seek the kingdom. Seek the kingdom. And the kingdom operates by faith, hope, and charity. 
and you can do that. You can start moving in that direction. And you do it by forming congregations of record, where you say, these people who are congregating in free assembly, we're going to try to keep track of them in this buddy system times 10, and if they need help, we're going to try to help them out with whatever resources we have. And we are going to exercise our dominion to make that choice in free religion in, until our religion is not only free religion, but pure religion. Until we are the so, total social welfare of our congregation and our congregation of congregations. That's a journey. That's a destination. That is seeking the kingdom and righteousness. Because it is not righteous to covet your neighbor's goods, even though you paid in. That was your sacrifice. You gave that up. You know, we have a congregation that gave money to a minister, and the minister decided that he wanted to leave. And he wanted to leave with the money. He can't leave with the money. That, that's Christ's money. And if he steps down from that ministry, of ministering that, it has to go back to Christ, to other ministers who are stay, staying with the original congregation. That congregation pick a new minister, the money goes to him. It doesn't go to the congregation, it goes to the new minister they pick because the other one stepped down. In order to do that, we have to keep records. What do you think scribes were all about? They kept records, but when you owed, according to the scribes of the Pharisees, they could send men to your house and beat you. They could send men to your house and arrest you. They could send men to knock down your door to get a hold of you and make you contribute to the welfare of the needy of their society. And so many people contributed because they were afraid of that. That's not the perfect law of liberty. That's not what uh, Moses was doing because he talked about free will offerings. You know what the sin of Saul was? The first sin of Saul was they elected him king. The voice of the people chose Saul. And he was sworn into office by the Supreme Court Justice, Samuel. And he became king. But he did something that Samuel said was foolish. And because he did that foolish thing, his kingdom would not stand. It would eventually fail. What was that foolish thing? He forced an offering. He forced the people to contribute to the needs of his army, a peace offering, to keep that army strong. Good cause, wrong method. Not the perfect law of liberty. Did he have a right to do that? He was king. He could exercise authority one over the other, like all the other kings round about them. But when he became king, all those heads of households all those little castles throughout the empire of God, where the imperium was in the hands of the individuals, was no longer in the hands of the individuals. It was in the hands of the single office of the king. And the next king would have that office. And the next king was David. But David did not kill the old king. He did not rise up in revolution against the old king. The old king killed himself. David could have killed him many times, but would not do it. But who became king? Who eventually became king? Jesus Christ. 
Rome said he was king. Thousands in, in Jerusalem said he was king. Hosanna, son of David, highest son of David, rightful king of our nation. The apostles said, these are the ones that say there is another king. The apostles, who were the ambassadors of that king, who appointed to them a kingdom. But that government, the church, was a titular kingdom. Of le- or, or, uh, a kingdom of titular leaders in name only they were the ministers of the people but they could give you nothing except what was freely given to them you still owed your taxes now to the apostles instead of the Pharisees who were working daily in the temple now and you paid your taxes to them but they were already given instructions when they came to collect the taxes from house to house they said how much can you pay I can only pay this much. Paid in full. They write paid in full. Why? Because that was the instructions Christ gave them. They were a government. Everybody knew it back then. Nobody seems to know it now. They've told you a damnable heresy that the kingdom of heaven is for the dead. It's not. It's for the living. That's why you can't say rise and walk anymore. It's because... You aren't doing what Christ said. He cannot hear your prayers when you do contrary to the decrees of Christ. And pay homage to Caesar in order to obtain his bowl of benefits. Now yet, you're waking up now and finding you have gone so far away from what Christ, the simplicity of what Christ was preaching. Then you say, well, we can't go back. Yes, you can. That's faith. You have to take those steps. You have to walk that path. And the beauty of it is you do not have to leap to the end. You start with the first step. Come together. Do not forsake the gathering together. Pick ministers who want to be your titular leader, not rule over your soul, not dictate to you from a pulpit that want to wash your feet and help you find your way back to Christ's way. And then, dominion will be your Sunday again. But only in virtue. Unless you become virtuous, you don't deserve dominion. You don't deserve freedom. Unless you start following the ways of Christ, which is to take care of one another, to love one another, to be there for one another, to be minute men of charity, to be minute men of hope. That's where you need to go. And you, best you go there quickly. <laughs> so, anyway, that's, that's a message. That's a that's a spoonful. <laughs> some meat um, there. Say it again. There's some meat in there. Uh, there's some meat in there. You got everybody could chew for a few minutes. Uh, there's a chat room on the station, and anybody who wants to be a part of that chat room uh, can. And we have people monitoring that. So if you have a question, you can voice it in the chat room, and it will uh, possibly uh, determine the direction we'll take the rest of the show. Uh, the telephone number to call if you want to call in with a question or if you want to call in and call me crazy 
you can even do that. Uh, we might cut you off after a little bit. We're not going to let you take over the show, but you get to voice your opinion. Uh, 414-395-2442. And uh, anyway, so the reason you aren't experiencing the freedom you have isn't because you failed to elect a Republican or a Democrat or a Libertarian. Is because you failed to be the government of the people for the people and by the people. And that's what the early church was. It was a government of the people for the people and by the people. It was actually called a viable republic in the heart of the Roman Empire by historians better than myself. And it was that. Because a republic is not an indirect democracy. You might have an indirect democracy in a republic, but a republic, the leaders are titular. And name only. They have no power. In a pure republic, they cannot exercise authority. In a pure republic, you're free from things public. You don't own all things in common, but you have learned to love one another and care for one another and to congregate in a free assembly where all your rights remain your rights, but all your responsibilities to one another remain your responsibility. If you want your rights back, you must take back your responsibilities. And you have so few responsibilities today. You don't, that was one of the things I was starting to talk about. He was saying that money should not be in private hands. This fellow who was talking, E Pluribus Unum, uh, back in Colorado somewhere, I think, uh, he was saying that money should not be that the manufacturer of money should not be in private hands. It should be in private hands, but it should be real money. <laughs> uh, what you call Federal Reserve notes are in a corporate hand. <laughs> a corporation makes that. A body of men makes that. And it's not money. It's not even cash. It's notes. And then another body of men called bankers. Uh, they go out and they create more credits that aren't even backed by paper notes uh, to the tune of 90% of the money that's in circulation doesn't exist except in credit entries in banks. And that's a really bad place to be. <laughs> it's kind of musical chairs. And it's not that you're missing one chair, that you're missing 90% of the chairs. <laughs> And you're not going to have any place to sit down, and that system will fail. That is the unrighteous mammon. And not only the money is in that unrighteous mammon, which is a trust. That's what a mammon means. It means entrusted wealth. All your wealth is in this gigantic trust. But your right to labor is in that trust as well, because you're collateral for the debt. Your merchandise, which is what? Peter was talking about when he said and through covetousness shall they with feigned words make merchandise of you whose judgment now of a long time lingereth not and their damnation slumbereth not at Second Peter 2 3 look it up what's he talking about you coveted your neighbor's goods. You wanted to guarantee that your neighbor would 
take care of you in your time of need. You did not want to cast your bread upon the waters and hope that it might come back to you. You wanted a guarantee that if I take care of the needy of my day, then the sons and daughters of the king will have to take care of me in my time of need. But that's not the perfect law of liberty. That's not faith, hope, and charity. That's not love. That's greed. That's covetousness. And you cannot have eternal life if you will not keep his commandments. Have faith in that. Because that is what he said. You want eternal life. Keep the commandments. Stop coveting your neighbor's goods. Start seeking. And if all the people that could hear this message were to start seeking the kingdom, there would be an abundance in the kingdom, not only to help those people who were truly in need within the kingdom and seeking that kingdom, but all those other people round about us. Yeah, the the fellow who called in was say he was a little overwhelmed by uh, thy kingdom come. He evidently didn't have any real disagreement, but he was overwhelmed. It is overwhelming, but don't be overwhelmed. We're talking about actually worshiping God, doing what he says, bowing down to his will. That's worshiping. If you do that, you will have dominion. I'm not going to say it's going to be easy. When he talks about theft and covetousness and wickedness and deceit and lasciviousness and and evil and blasphemy and pride and foolishness. All these evil things come from within and defile the man. Virtue comes from within, too. True virtue. The virtue of Christ, the name of Christ, comes from within. That's all we're talking about, is to extend the virtuousness of Christ in everything you do. You should be creating the money of your community. And there's a hundred ways in which to do this, a thousand ways in which to do this, ways I haven't even thought of. But first you have to create a community. You have to start congregating together. Join the network. Pick a personal contact minister on that network. Volunteer to be one. Choose one. Speak to one another. Communicate with one another. Find people as close to you as possible and start working out your salvation with fear and trembling. The choice remains yours on how you do that, how you fit together. Who are the ministers of Christ? Who are the living stones of his altar who can receive and record and share all things in common? Who can do that? You need to start moving in the direction of the kingdom. Start gathering together in congregation upon congregation, loving the next congregation as much as you love your own, loving all those people who have not yet heard the word, the kingdom, the gospel of the kingdom, but will hear tomorrow or the next day or the next day and doing what you can, sacrificing what you can, so that they can hear this message and have the choice so that in the day of reckoning they cannot say, I did not know, I did not hear. 
They had time to hear. They, but they did not have ears to hear. How many people will hear the simplicity of living in a society based on faith, hope, and charity rather than force and fear and compliance? One is the kingdom. One is the antithesis of the kingdom. One is of Christ. One is the antithesis of Christ. We need to turn around and go another way. We need to be another kind of peculiar people to do that which God has ordained from the beginning. If you if you look up in the Bible, all the places that the uh, word covetousness shows up, uh, and it shows up quite often, you'll see that that's a major stumbling block. It's not theft. Taxes are not theft. I mean, they may occasionally do some stealing, but they're, of course they're doing it in your name because <laughs> they may uh, appropriate funds that really aren't theirs because, I mean, mistakes happen. Um, every bureaucrat in this inaptocracy is not going to operate virtuously because the entire system is not based on virtue. It's based on force. It's not based on what John the Baptist was preaching. He said, when asked, how how do we get benefits in your government? He says, if you have two coats, share with your neighbor if he has none. How do you know if your neighbor has no coat? How do you know if your neighbor has a legitimate need? I can tell you people down here in the local community that are on disability who planned it, who orchestrated it, who defrauded the government so that they could get on that uh, permanent disability and they work under the table for the cash. I can I can tell you supposedly good Christian people who want to get paid in cash so that they don't have to pay their taxes. That's not good. If you owe the tax, pay the tax. But seek the righteousness of God. Honor. Peter didn't owe the tax. Jesus didn't owe the tax. But Peter thought he did and said he did, and so Jesus made him pay it for him and and for Peter. Just because he said it once, we need to be just as honorable. Now, there are those who can come out of the system now who completely give themselves over to Christ to be his ministers. And this system allows for that. But if you're going to do that, you have to do that as a body, not just a congregation, but as a body. Congregation is a gathering of free individuals or even bond individuals, but they are not brought into bondage because they congregate. They are simply freely assembling. But when ministers, ordained ministers of Christ's church, the way he set it up in that first century, gathered together, they came together in one accord as a body. But it was, and it was a government. But it was a titular government that did not exercise authority. So all the apt people, all the competent producers who learned to love one another began to gather as Christians in courage and faith and hope. And all those people who wanted to cheat and lie and covet and even rob and be wicked 
they gathered in the other systems of the world. But those who gathered could not use their liberty improperly. improperly. We know that men shall be lovers of their own selves, covetous, boasters, proud, blasphemous, disobedient, and parents unthankful and unholy. But now, we need to be something different. Our conversation must, must be without covetousness. And that's what we're going to talk about in the last half hour of this show of Keys of the Kingdom when we return. Fight the fight. We are here to equip you because you love the truth. LibertyRadioLive.com What year is it? The year of the Lord God the Pope? 2012 according to the Vatican's Gregorian calendar? Or 5940 since creation according to the Bible? Did you know that the Creator put a clear chronology from the creation in His Word? It is widely accepted that the millennial reign of Christ will be the Sabbath or seventh millennium from the creation. If this thesis holds true, then this clear chronology becomes very important. Is the seventh millennium imminent? Will there be a rapture escape? Or is it about 60 years off? See the clear evidence for yourself in the booklet, What Year Is It? We will send you the Greatest Prophecy DVD, the booklet, What Year Is It?, and a copy of Richard Bennett's groundbreaking work, The Inquisition, for a mere $5 shipping and handling cost. Any donation above that amount is appreciated. Send your $5 cash to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, T-U-L-A-R-E, Tulare Avenue, in Tulare, California, 93274. Again, send your cash support donation to First Amendment Radio, 139 East Tulare Avenue, Tulare, T-U-L-A-R-E, California, 93274. Or see the shopping page at FirstAmendmentRadio.com to send a check or money order. We are grateful to the Almighty for your support. The Greatest Prophecy DVD Now this 
listen to me. The Bible says, render unto Caesar that which is Caesar's. I want you to know that a corporation is Caesar. Government takeover of the church. This DVD is the most powerful tool we have for waking up those asleep in the pews. The scripture calls for his people to come out of her. The corporate church is the apostate church, the whore that rides the beast. Make copies and give them away to your corporate church friends and loved ones. The truth will make them free. They will watch the DVD. Government takeover of the church. Who will tell them if not you? Get this DVD for a donation of $25 from LibertyRadioLive.com. Order online today or call 559-781-3773. Now listen to me. Well, welcome back to Keys of the Kingdom. Uh, I glanced in at the chat room so I can actually see what's going on in there. Uh, <laughs> I may have to turn my sound down. <laughs> it starts beeping. But if they have any questions, they can ask them. And if they uh, want, somebody wants to call in, the telephone number is 414-395-2442. That's 414-395-2HHC. So anyway... We're talking about the difference between the kingdom of God and the kingdoms of the world. Now, the kingdoms of the world don't have to be like they are today. And this, of course, is what Paul was talking about when he was talking to the treasurer of Corinth. He was preaching to the kingdoms of the world the ways of Christ. We are to be priests to all nations. And the fact is, any nation could suddenly repent and say, hey, you know, we're not going to force people to contribute to the welfare of everybody else because we see that this welfare system is weakening the poor, it's making the people dependent, it's taking the character out of our society, and it's making our society vulnerable. Uh, this, this total infatuation with profit for me, how does that profit me uh, concept, the meism of our modern society, and I've talked about this before, we used to have uh, magazines called Life, and then we had magazines called People. And then we have magazines called Us. And they actually have a magazine called Me <laughs> or Self. Uh, that's the trend that we've been going. We have to turn that around because that is not the Spirit of Christ. That is the Antichrist Spirit. Because the Spirit of Christ is not about me, but loving my neighbor as much as I love myself. And the ministers sometimes have to love their neighbor even more than themselves, which is what Christ did. He was willing to give up his life so that others could have life more abundant. And that life includes the responsibilities of life and the dominion of life and the ways of life, which is the ways of Christ. I am the life, he says. But you don't know Christ just because you go to church and you sing his praises and Lord, Lord, Christ, Christ, Jesus, Jesus. You only know him if you do his will, and his will was that you do not covet your neighbor's goods. You're also not supposed to kill. And, of course, we know many governments kill people by the millions. They bomb them, they abort them, they poison them. I mean, the things going on today are unbelievable. GMOs. 
we were talking about that at the dinner table the other day. That these genetically modified foods is one of the most dangerous things going on today in modern society. Far more dangerous than nuclear war. Far more dangerous than nuclear war. You know, uh, dairy farmers, pig farmers, uh, anybody feeding GMO corn to their animals are having spontaneous abortions, false pregnancies, uh, where the animal is supposedly pregnant but it gives birth to an empty water sack because they're eating evidently GMOs. One of the top biologists, uh, microbiologists in the world is talking about this uh, Roundup Ready alfalfa as being one of the most dangerous and devastating thing to the most the most critical food supply. If you were a foreign alien wanting to take over this planet and you saw War of the World, you'd say, oh, we don't want to do that. Let's Let's invent genetically modified food that makes the population sterile <laughs> and weakens their immune systems uh, so that they have, you know, create diseases that wipes them out but won't wipe us out. <laughs> That's what you would do if you wanted to take over the dominion of this planet. But, of course, there, there might be some police force in the universe that would prevent them from doing this. So they would have to get us to do it to ourselves. <laughs> they would have to get us to commit suicide. And, of course, whenever you gather together and elect men and give them the power to choose over your life and death, give them the power to choose over what you give and don't give, so that they can take your sons and daughters, take the first fruits of your fields, take the best of your fields for themselves. When you give them the power to do this, what you do when the voice of the people elect men who can exercise authority, rather than accept the responsibility of creating a free society as the fountainhead of justice, which is the way it was always before. And early Americans tried to get back to some a minority tried to get back to we don't need a majority to create change and we will need miraculous change considering the immorality of what is going on today the poisoning of entire human population you know the the GMO uh, cotton fields in India they let in the their uh, cows and uh, sheep to eat down the grass after the cotton was harvested, they died. Not just some of them got sick. They all died. Died. And this goes on because it's tremendous power and money behind all this. And because you're ignorant and you're lazy and you're selfish whoever you are out there. <laughs> you need to stop being that way. You need to repent. You need to start caring about others. You need to join the network, not because it will benefit you, but because it will benefit others. Maybe because it will benefit your children someday. Like the fellow from Tennessee who's got three children. I've got six. And I've got more grandchildren and great-grandchildren. But I have to care about your children as much as I care about my own. 
because that's the name and way of Christ. That is the character of Christ. And you have to do the same. And when you do the same, the power of Christ can begin to flow in you. Until you do the same, it cannot. And the salvation of Christ is not yours. You have to forgive debt if you want to be forgiven. That means you will have to give up Social Security. You will have to give up all these dependent benefits from those men who call themselves benefactors who exercise authority. But that isn't where you start. You start by loving one another and taking care of one another until the righteous mammon is in place. The alternative altar is built with living stones who operate by faith, hope, and charity in the perfect law of liberty, which is love, instead of by force, fear, and compliance. You aren't doing that in your churches. You're singing yourselves and your neighbors to sleep. Repent. Turn around. It's simple. You can do this with the grace of God, but you have to begin the journey. That's why Christ's first instruction was to seek ye first the kingdom of God, which operates by faith, open charity, and free will offerings. Always has. Always will. And to seek the righteousness of God. Operation by love. Which is more powerful, greed or love? Which is more powerful, charity or covetousness? Which is more powerful, the creator of the universe or the creators of government? If you turn your back on God, you will suffer calamity. If you turn back to God, you will suffer salvation. (laughs) But you must see yourself as you are. Stop hiding in the bushes with Adam. Stop hiding from the fact that we have screwed up. Come out and get washed up in the kingdom. Come out, gather together, and care about one another. Enough to gather together and stay together. And even if someone in your congregation steps on your toes, or even if I step on your toes, you look at it as an opportunity to forgive. So that when you step on somebody else's toes, you can be forgiven. There's a question in the chat room. Yeah, I was just reading that. That's why I paused for a second. I don't understand the question. (laughs) High places. Uh, There are several high places. most of the high places are in your mind. <laughs> uh, we most people think with how it benefits them, their skin, their bellies, their uh, uh, themselves. But the high places of your mind. Um, he's talking about the old places, uh, the Old uh, Testament high places. But I'm not sure exactly where he's going with that question. So maybe you can add to that question, and maybe we'll figure out what he's talking about. <laughs> 
that's the problem with uh, chat room questions is that it's very difficult to expound upon them. Um, I mean, they talk, uh, and I will destroy your high places and cut down your images and cast your carcasses upon the carcasses of your idols and my soul shall abhor you. Well, you know, if you read in Nicolaitans, uh, that it talks about God hating the Nicolaitans, and the Nicolaitans means the conquered people. And what has conquered the people? Greed. Covetousness. Sin. Covetousness is sin. And it is, uh, so, uh, when you're talking about, uh, how did those high places come about? Uh, we're talking, uh, pride. Uh, you know, um, you know. Uh, actually, even the word "high places" is also translated "waves." Um, and you know, it'd be interesting to probably do a study on exactly where those waves are. <laughs> uh, but uh, yeah, the once you turn your back on God, and and it, He tells you this in Samuel eight and, and other places that you pick these other men to rule over you, that uh, you will have a day of calamity, and God will not hear you in that day. That's really important to understand, that God will not hear you in that day, because you would not listen to him. You've cut the connection. When uh, Adam sinned, he went and hid from God. And he could not walk with God while he's hiding from God. And so, therefore, he's cut himself off. God did not cut us off. We cut ourselves off from God. How do we get back? Stop cutting yourself off. Stop hiding from the fact that we've screwed up. That all the problems in the world have to do with the fact that we're not following the ways of Christ. Now, will everybody suddenly change? No. Will half the people have to change before there's change? No. Over and over again, they tell you in history that only 10 or 20% of the people would have to change to uh, create huge differences. But the reality is only 5% would have to turn towards Christ and his ways. And it would turn the whole nation around. 5%. That's all you would need. Because of the power of Christ. The one place where the, that word, the high places, is translated into waves is in Job 9.8, which alone spreadeth out the heavens and treadeth upon the waves of the sea, which, of course, they're referring to the high places of the sea, which would translate to waves. But uh, So I was curious about that, so I went and looked it up while I was sitting here. But the fact is, is uh, the unrighteous mammon, which is the high place that's where everybody looks to looks up to for their salvation will fail Jesus didn't say if it fails he says when it fails so it will fail and we need to understand that it will fail but we don't turn towards the righteous mammon out of fear if we do eventually we'll have to give up that fear we turn towards it out of love for one another. And that's what we're finding now. I mean, in times to come, uh, you know, there is time left, but there's no, never any time to waste. Uh, 
uh, anyway, the, the question goes on and says, were they more than stone altars? Did they uh, have anything to do with government? Okay, well, the, we talk in the New Testament about living stones, and we talk in Thy Kingdom Come about uh, the stones of the altar, and the fact is the same word for a gathering of stones in the Hebrew is the same word for a gathering of friends. And, of course, that's what your minister is, is he's your friend, and he should be a friend to all those others that you congregate to, a friend so much so that you trust him with your offering. You say, here, I want to give this to God, but if I throw it up in the air, it keeps coming back down to me, so God's not taking it, but I think you're a man of God, so I'm going to give this offering to you, and I want you to use it in the way that you think God would be pleased. And, of course, immediately you go out and buy a big screen TV so and a sound system for your church, and, and you build a huge, giant crystal cathedral because you think that's going to make God happy? Or do you take care of the needy of your society so that they don't have to go to the benefactors who exercise authority one over the other? <laughs> because that would be feeding the sheep and keeping them free and out of the world. Uh and they would remain free souls under God. So, yeah, those altars, even in the days of Abraham, were living altars. But they were titular altars. They only had authority over what you chose to give them. Uh, to give them. They had no authority over your right to choose what to give. They would come and say, we need this much. And you say, I can't give you that much. I can only give you this much. And they say, great, paid in full. You don't owe me anything. Because they operate like Christ operates, by faith, hope, and charity. They don't create debt for you. They don't have any authority over you. They're titular. That's God's ministers. If you depend on other ministers, that's not God's ministers. That's the ministers of small g gods who you may have chosen for yourselves so that they would rule over you instead of God. In other words, you have that government that rules over you because you rejected God. He didn't He didn't make these governments. You did. And the more you depend on them, that's another thing that William Pitt said. We started with William Pitt, so we might as well end with William Pitt. Um he said, as long as you look to government, to, I believe that was him. There were several quotes that were similar to this, but at least the one was something like, as long as you look to government to solve your problems, you will always suffer tyranny. And, of course, uh, what was Ronald Reagan said, uh, uh, government's not the solution, it's the problem, uh, or something to that effect. I'm paraphrasing a little bit here. I often have to read quotes because I cannot remember them exactly. But one of the things that William Pitt said, and I read it earlier, is that when plunder becomes a way of life for a group of men, they create for themselves in the course of time a legal system that authorizes it. Authorizes what? Plunder and a moral code that glorifies it. And that's why you have people in 
ministers in churches glorifying governments that exercise authority, glorifying the men who call themselves benefactors but exercise authority. Christ was a socialist without a gun. Christ was a socialist that said, take care of the needy, strengthen the poor to faith, hope, and charity. He came to return every man to his possessions and every man to his family so that his home would be his castle because he was exercising his responsibility and thereby obtained his rights. What this does when you start moving in this direction is it moves you down to the shores of the Red Sea with the sea at your back with the waves of the sea roaring all about you and the armies of the dominion of the gods of this world coming down on you with everything they have and nothing between you and them but the power of God which is sufficient but it will not be there for you if you run out ahead of the Lord if you if you procrastinate and wait and do not wait upon the Lord and not seek ye first the kingdom of heaven and his righteousness. The kingdom of God does not come through observation but by doing the will of the Father. And then and then only will you have access to the grace of his salvation. If you will not do the will of the Father, then your faith is a lie. And your faith is not real. And your faith is a delusion. And you are not saved because you have not really accepted Christ, but simply an idea of Christ that is not true. God does not want you to covet your neighbor's goods. He wants you to love your neighbor as yourself. He does not want you to give power to men like Saul or Caesar to exercise authority over your neighbor so that you may be socially secure. He wants you to learn to live together as free souls under him in congregations of free men who love one another as he loved you. That means you must sacrifice yourself, your pride, your riches, your wealth, a little at a time, a lot at a time, one for each other. You choose. You must choose what stones you want in your altar. Your contribution to those stones of his altar is the only vote and vow you have. And it is only in every moment of every day. There is no contract with those stones of the altar. You aren't to make any covenants with them nor with their gods. Your covenant is with God in heaven alone in your heart and in your mind. And you choose the ministers that you think most exemplify Christ. And you support them according to what Christ puts upon your heart as you walk with him in your daily exercise of dominion and right. You still have some rights left. And freedom of religion is one of them. And religion, pure religion, is caring for one another, caring for the needy of your society, unspotted by the world. And you will need other men gathering together with you in order to make that a reality and make that happen. 
So anyway, I guess I got it. <laughs> I guess we got it. <laughs> you got it. Uh, yeah. So anyway, I heard the dings coming in. I guess that goes out over the air, but uh, bells are ringing <laughs> uh, in the kingdom of heaven, and people are beginning to get it. And uh, he, uh, I guess uh, his son was listening, and uh, uh, we know that the other fellow from Tennessee, I guess his children, he, he didn't want to turn down the sound right away because he wanted his kids to hear this. <laughs> and they're 12 or so. My kids have heard it since they've been little. <laughs> but I don't know. Hearing it really depends upon who you get your ears from. Is your Do you have ears to hear and eyes to see? Uh, you know, I would think that this message would spread like wildfire uh, amongst the people. But things are getting uh, worse, and as they get worse, uh, the flames will kindle more brightly <laughs> in the hearts of more men and more men. But our flame is not one that is to consume you, but to give you life. You know, and that's what we need to do. I can hear Paul typing away. Another message Oops. is going to pop up in a second. <laughs> okay, that's a, we're almost at the end of the show. We will have another show this afternoon. If you're on the network, you should know all about it. And uh, I'm going to get about a 15-minute break before somebody calls in from New York. <laughs> so I'm going to run and have to get something to eat because I was so busy this morning I kind of skipped breakfast. But until next week, may peace be upon your house and may God be with you. Thanks, Paul. Thanks, Greg. Thank you, everybody, for coming. You have been listening to The Keys of the Kingdom with Brother Gregory of His Holy Church. For more information on the educational ministry provided by His Holy Church and Brother Gregory, including services, counseling, lectures, books, and other audio materials, please write to His Church at Summer Lake, Box 10, Summer Lake, Oregon, 97640. You can also find us on the web at www dot his holy church dot net